0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley.
1: Now we know God's doing a lot at the moment and there's a fresh release of what He's doing amongst us in all the congregations and we know as part of what God is saying and doing uh, He's given us a heart for Israel, for the Jewish people and that's very much central to God's plan and purposes. Uh, as we know, Israel is not a side issue or subject over there somewhere. And if if somebody's got a heart for it, then they kind of, you know, Israel and, and the Jewish people are right at the heart of God's redemptive salvation purposes around the world, in the earth. And uh, part of what God has been showing us is what does that mean for us then as Christians, as believers in the west what, what has that got to do with us in terms of Israel Jerusalem the Jewish people what God is doing and uh, because so many people think that the church has replaced the Jewish people and we know scripturally that's not true and uh, God wants them to be saved in the same way as he wants us and any Gentile to be saved and how that all comes together in Christ and so we want to have the right heart and right understanding because when you have the right heart and understanding, that means you have the right attitude towards people. And Jesus died once and he died for all. And so his heart for the Jewish people is just as much as it is for you and I or any other person, nationality, race, colour, nation. And uh, and it's an amazing privilege this morning to have uh, Thomas Sandell from ECI, to have um, Andrew Tucker with us, to have Gregory Lafitte, and the team as well, wherever they are, down there, oh, I can't see you, sorry. And uh, it's, it's been an amazing day yesterday To uh, for was a privilege for us as, as Kingdom Faith to host what was the third national conference in the UK for uh, European Coalition for Israel and an amazing day covering a lot of different things from God's heart for Israel and for the Jewish people uh, the legal kind of uh, right that Israel has to exist uh, as well as from a biblical point of view also just from legally over the, the years and understanding that side of things uh, and f- hearing some of the stories of what God is doing now and how he's working through ECI, working in uh, in Brussels, in the, the uh, EU, uh, working in the UN, the United Nations in New York and, and even in Africa and how God is using these guys to bring god's heart and understanding of israel maybe in a different way language wise than we would speak about it in church but how he's using them to bring an understanding to very high level uh, national leaders and diplomats around the world in a context where israel is is generally spoken about in a very negative way and uh, and god's using these guys and putting an amazing favor on their lives to, to help re correct and readdress and bring the truth, and sometimes that can't be spoken of uh, in a preaching biblical way like this, but they're still bringing the truth into into a very challenging environment, challenging world. And so, I want us to honor these guys this morning. Uh, if all of you can from ECI, can you all stand up? Those, yeah, and, and I just want us to stand and I want to honor these guys. Can you stand for it, everybody, sir, as well? And I want you to honor these guys and thank God for them. <laughs> And what they're doing. And before before Andrew uh, comes to speak, I want to welcome Thomas. And he's going to come and share for a few minutes. And uh, now Thomas originally started and pioneered ECI and he leads the work going on. And so I want us to really honor Thomas as he comes up to, uh, to share. And then he's going to introduce Andrew and Andrew's then going to come and speak. So let's welcome Thomas, shall we? <laughs>
0: Thank, thank you and good morning. Clive, are you going to be my interpreter? or <laughs> Okay, I, I hope you understand my Finnish, Finnish English. Um, we are here actually for, for two reasons. One is to, um, to speak about Israel, to speak about why it is important that we as believers stand up for the Jewish people in our days uh, in a way which we failed to do some 70, 80, 90 years ago when uh, uh, we saw the, the largest tragic in the history of the Jewish people take place on European soil. And as we said yesterday, the question is not what could have been done 80 years ago. The question is really what are we doing today? Yes, yes. Because sadly, anti-Semitism is back uh, not only in mainland Europe, but also, sadly, here in this nation. And I think the Lord is is calling us with a new uh, um, anointing, really, to say, listen, will you stand up for my people this time? Uh, and I believe this is the last chance that the Lord will give to His church to really be everything that He desired uh, from the church. So U- European Coalition for Israel is trying to do this on a very practical level, on a political level where decisions are made because I would always say it's one thing to get the theology right uh, inside the four walls of the church what God is interested in is that we get it right outside of the four walls of the church where decisions are made and we all have a role to play um, we can all pray we can all we all have a sphere of influence of our own uh, in order to stand up, we need knowledge, and, and that is why it's so important to listen to Andrew in, in just uh, a minute. Uh, but we also need courage, especially in a, in a time that we are living in. It's not always easy to stand up and, and speak out, but this is exactly what the Lord is, is calling us to do. And, and some of us are called to go to these places which you all love, like the European Union in Brussels the United Nations in New York, uh, yes, <laughs> uh, so, so if we want to be salt and light, if we want to be biblical, if we want to be a Daniel, an Esther, a Joseph, some of us are called to these places, but we need your help. And, and Alistair and Connie here in uh, at Kingdom Faith are our UK representatives. So if you have questions, if you want to know more, please uh, speak with them. Before I introduce Andrew, I just want to say one more thing. And that is that another reason why we came here today, and I believe the Lord spoke to me some time ago, a few months ago, and said you need to be in London on the 29th of March. Some of you may know that that's a sort of an interesting day in in the history of this nation. And we're not a political in that sense. We're not here to campaign politically. But the Lord very clearly spoke to me and said, listen, I want you to be there on that day to bless this nation. I want you to be there when there's so much confusion, disunity. Um, People are speaking out so many negative things, even curses. I want you to be there together with your friends Uh, from Europe, but also from this country, just break bread together and release a word of blessing, of vision, of clarity, of destiny for this nation. And I say this and I release this as a European. I say that we love you guys. (laughs) We love this heritage, wonderful heritage that you have in this nation. Everything you've done, the world would not be the same if it wasn't for the British. But it doesn't stop there. We believe the future. You have a future. You have a bright future, and we are here to release you and bless you and say that we believe in you. Amen. <laughs> so, with these words, I want to um, introduce uh, a very dear friend um, who's been the ECI legal counsel for many years, and today also leads the Hague Initiative for International Cooperation. Uh, wonderful brother in the Lord, very knowledgeable, um, Andrew Tucker, please.
2: Thank you, Thomas. Am I switched on? Can you hear me? Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Uh, thank you, Clive and Jane um, and the whole team here. We had a wonderful day yesterday and it's just such a privilege to be part of this uh, community. So I want to just start by, by honouring you and thanking you for being who you are here. Um, and uh, let's, let's just start with a word of prayer, shall we? Uh, Father in heaven, we, uh, we thank you this morning. Um, and as we worship your name this morning, we, we lift up your holy name uh, in this nation. And you are the God and the creator of the whole universe. And you've made all things, that your name will be glorified, Lord, amongst the nations. So, Father, open our eyes and our ears this morning to your word, that we might understand the times that we are living in. As Jesus said, understand the times and the seasons. And Father, we might be ready for Jesus when he comes, that we might be a people who will enter into the works that you have prepared for us to walk in. So we thank you this morning, we pray for the fullness of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, Amen. Wow, so there's so much to share with you, Um, and I want to um, take you on a little journey this morning as we travel into God's heart and purposes for, uh, actually for this world um, and his creation and why he has chosen Israel and the Jewish people to be his instrument, his people who will bring his blessing and salvation and redemption on earth. And that's a kind of a strange message for us to hear as Christians because we kind of thought we were his instrument to bring blessing and salvation. Well, yes, we are. And I'm not denying that for one moment, that God has in his mysterious gracious way brought the Gentiles in and made us a holy people. Um, but Clive mentioned to you, know, this, this, this theology of replacement which has gone so deep into the heart of the church for 2,000 years almost that we have come in the place of Israel and this is a very damaging way of thinking because it has led us to put the Jewish people to one side and say they're no longer relevant. They were important. God did a work through them. But when they rejected Jesus, he turned from the Jewish people and he turned to the Gentiles. And he said, you will be my people. And those who disobeyed me, who disbelieved me, I cast off forever. Unless they come into the church and become believers in Jesus Christ. I, uh, I'm just a simple guy born down under in Australia um, a few years ago, I won't tell you how many, too many, and I'm not a theologian, I'm not a biblical scholar, um, I trained as a lawyer and I had a heart for Europe, always from, from being a, a young child, somehow a calling, a sense that God wanted to bring me to Europe. And in my mid-twenties, I had the opportunity to move to the United Kingdom. I lived in London for a couple of years. I studied at Oxford and then I met my wife, who is Dutch, and my life changed radically and the Lord took me to the Netherlands, uh, where I've basically been for the last 25 years. We have four children and um, the Lord has, has has blessed us and... Um, he, he's taken us on a journey, and I believe he's taking each of us on a journey. And that's a journey into his heart and into his purposes today. And I had the privilege and the blessing of being part of a ministry called Christians for Israel, which was established in the Netherlands by my father-in-law 40 years ago, to just to speak and to teach in the church about this issue of the Jewish people. And, uh, and as a lawyer, I've had the privilege of working with Thomas and Gregory and others with the European Coalition for Israel to speak of this into the nations and into our leaders. Um, and that's, that's been an amazing uh, journey. And I'm just starting that journey, I feel. I'm, I'm just starting to discover. And the deeper you go into this topic, the deeper you realize it goes, the more the more there is to understand and to learn, that we will never understand and fully understand and learn this this issue. Um, And I believe this reconnecting of the Gentile body of Christ with the Jewish people is part of his restoration leading to the coming of Jesus himself. So we've we've worshipped this morning that Jesus is our saviour, that through his blood we have been redeemed Brought out of darkness into his heavenly light, out of death into life, into his kingdom. We are called to be kings and priests in his kingdom. But that's just the beginning. The salvation is the beginning. It's about the redemption of ourselves personally and our bodies and our souls and our spirits, our redemption as nations, our redemption as a community locally and as a church worldwide. And our redemption, actually, of the whole creation. Paul says in Romans 8, the whole creation is groaning and sighing, waiting for the redemption and the revelation of the sons of God. What, what is the revelation of the sons of God? The children of We are revealed already, right? So what is there still to be revealed? Paul says there is, a, there is something to happen in the future a revelation, God is going to expose something. And I believe it has to do with the resurrection of our bodies and the coming of Christ when his glory will be established on the whole earth from Jerusalem, from the heart of Jerusalem. And I want to just take us this morning into why is that and where are we today? And what does it mean for us today? And I believe that as a body of Christ, we are born maybe the most privileged generation ever. And, I'm, and I mean that. It's not, I don't mean that lightly. Every generation considers itself to be the most important generation. And we've all been waiting for the end of time and the coming of the kingdom and we believed it would happen a thousand years ago and it didn't. But there's one reason we know that we are living in the time that Jesus is coming soon. And that's Israel. It's the Jewish people. Jesus says it's the fig tree. And we'll share a moment about that. So I want to start with Ephesians 3. Let's just turn to Ephesians 3 for one moment. If I can get myself going here. what is what is the calling of the church What is our role actually? What is it God wants us to be? and uh, Paul's letter to the ephesians is is one of his most beautiful explanations about what what the body of christ is what what is our um, who are we <laughs> you know and I think this question of who are we is the question of this, this time. Who am I personally, but who are we? And wh- what is our nation? Wh- what does it mean for Great Britain at the moment? Does it, is there a biblical purpose for this nation? It's about identity. And um, Paul talks of a mystery. He talks very often of mysteries, doesn't he, in his letters, And a mystery is something that is God's hidden truth which is revealed and sometimes only partially revealed. We don't understand it fully, but it is revealed by the apostles and the prophets. And one of the mysteries is um, the mystery of um, the body of Christ. Yeah. Another mystery is the body of man and woman in marriage representing Christ and his church. Um, but there's also another mystery about the Gentiles and the Jews. And Paul says in Ephesians 3, and let me just read from verse 2, "'Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace "'that was given to me,' Paul says, "'for you, "'that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, "'as I have already written briefly.'" and share us together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is the mystery we have to understand in our generation, I believe. And we have to understand when he's talking about Israel, he is not talking about the modern state of Israel as such. This is a confusing thing. I think we need to get very clear in our minds. We read Israel in the media and in the news and we think of the... State of Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu and the occupation and all of those things, yes, they're important. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But he's talking about Israel, the people of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob, the tribes of Israel. And he says, we, the mystery is that we Gentiles have been brought together with the Jewish people. We don't become Jewish. We're not part of the Jewish nation. It teaches elsewhere. It's not our our place to follow all the rules and the regulations. We don't become circumcised. We don't become Jewish. But our identity is in the one body with Israel. And the mystery is that the Jewish people do not believe in their own saviour, our Lord and saviour Jesus Christ, as a nation, yet. But our calling and identity is to be with them as one body. And he goes on and he says also this mystery which was kept hidden in times past. He says in verse 10, his intent, God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus Our Lord. So, what is our calling? At least here he's saying it is to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to proclaim it into the heavenly realms. And that's what we did this morning. We worshiped God and we praised Him for His kingdom purposes into the heavenly realms. We are a heavenly spiritual people. Our our walk is in the heavenlies, Paul says. We are with Christ at the right hand of the Father. And he has given us so much to understand these mysteries and to proclaim it into the heavenlies. And the heaven is coming to earth. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth. Again, one of the great mistakes of the church has been this idea that when we die we go to heaven and we leave the earth and everything that's worldly and bodily and physical we leave it behind and we have our place in heaven in the spiritual realm no our place is here the spiritual is coming here he's redeeming this earth this people these nations And his kingdom will come on earth. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it is being done on earth as it is in heaven in the body of Christ. That is who we are. And that is our witness to the Jewish people. That God in this miraculous way is fulfilling his purposes that he promised to Israel, to the Jewish people in our generation. So you and I have the most amazing calling because Israel is being restored. And Jesus is coming. We don't know the hour or the day. Only the Father in heaven knows. Not even the Son. But we must understand the signs of the times. Romans 11. I want to, I want to just emphasize this, this, this important idea of our connection as Gentiles with Jews. And Paul talks in Romans 11, you know, he uses the image of a grafting in. And he talks, about, he talks about his people as being the olive tree, the natural olive tree. And the Jewish people are the natural branches in that olive tree that is rooted in God's covenant purposes as revealed to Israel. Through Jesus Christ. By the way, let's not forget Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has existed from eternity. The world was created through the Son and for the Son. So when God revealed himself to Israel, it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit revealing himself to Israel. His covenant with Israel is a covenant as Father, Son, and Spirit with Israel. They may not see that Jesus is the Son, but the day will come. When they will see him as their Lord and Messiah. But in the meantime, Paul says, We are grafted, we're the wild branches from another tree. And the Jewish people, the natural branches were cut off for a time so that we could be grafted in to their olive tree, their covenant purposes, God's promises to the Jewish people. We are grafted into them. So the promises for the church. The promises for you and me and our hope in our future are the promises that were made to Israel. The New Testament does not replace the Old Testament. There's a new revelation which God has given through the apostles and prophets. But it is to fulfill and to confirm the promises of the Old Testament. We must ground ourselves in the word of God we call it the Old Testament as if it's sort of old and, and no longer relevant. That's not the way we should be looking at it. It's the, it's the basis of everything. And the new is to, is to fulfill, to bring to completion the old, not to replace it. So I, I'm, I'm encouraged and excited by what God is doing with you guys when I hear that you are grounding yourselves in the word of God and connecting yourselves with the Jewish people today. As Thomas says, it's about today. So our hope, our hope is, in the, is for the kingdom. Again, this is something Paul tries to teach us. We live by faith, love and hope, those three and hope is not something abstract. Hope is not something that we think maybe one day, who knows, it might happen. I hope it happens, but I can't be sure. That's, that's hope in a worldly sense, isn't it? I hope one day I will be rich and famous and a millionaire, but it's probably not going to happen. But it's a nice thing to hope for. That's not the hope of the Bible. The hope of the Bible is the belief... In a certainty of a future thing. And to ground yourself in that future thing as being your future. And that future we have is the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom has come in Jesus Christ, okay? The kingdom's within us. But the kingdom in its fullness, and this is what Paul is talking about, the revelation and the, and the, 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 uh, the redemption of our bodies... Reread Romans 8 through to 11. And he, ex- he explores this, this idea of the future revelation and, and fulfillment. And it's got to do with the resurrection and the coming of Christ. And the kingdom will come when Christ will reign on earth. That is our hope. And we will be kings and priests reigning with Christ over the nations. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable we will reign with Christ as kings and priests over the nations. Where? Where are the nations? Where will we reign from? Jerusalem. Zion. The heavenly, but also the physical. Jerusalem. The angel Gabriel announced to a young Jewish girl called Miriam, he said, you will bear a child. And Simeon and Anna were in the temple waiting. What was Simeon waiting for? The consolation of Israel. He believed, he knew that God would send a redeemer God would send a saviour. He knew it because he knew the word of God. And he was hoping for it and he was waiting for it. And the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and gave her a promise. And we read it, if I'm not mistaken, in Luke chapter 1. The angel Gabriel came to Mary. Verse 28 of Luke chapter 1. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. What is Gabriel promising? What is God promising to Mary there? First of all, she shall have a son. Secondly, he will be the saviour of the world, Jesus. Thirdly, he will take the, the throne of his father, David. Where was the throne of David? In Jerusalem. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants. Who were Jacob's descendants? The 12 tribes of Israel. Forever. Forever, the kingdom will be forever. And yes, we can spiritualize these words. We can, we can apply Israel to ourselves. We can claim the promises as our own. But in the first place, they are promises for Israel. And in the second place, for the church. And in the third place, for you and me individually. But God is making it in the first place. And, and we need to understand this and claim it as our own. The, the prophets of the Old Testament speak, and Jesus spoke himself. I'm sorry, I'm going on much too long here, aren't I, Clyde? This is taking a long time. But it's important, before I talk about the physical Jerusalem, because what we're going to talk about is not just politics. It's about God doing his work today. So, um, you know, when Jesus had his 12 around him, and he spent the last week of his life in Jerusalem, and he slept with friends up on the Mount of Olives, and every day he would go to the temple, and he would teach, and he would preach, and he was teaching his disciples. And he spoke to them in Matthew 24, we can, we, we can, we can hear when, that, when they asked him, what will be the signs of the times, the signs of your coming? And he speaks about the future, the things that will happen. He says, Jerusalem will be destroyed. And of course, he earlier meant that when he said the temple would be destroyed, he was speaking, of course, about the physical temple, but also spiritually, that it will be raised again in three days. But he said also physically the temple will be destroyed. The Jews will be dispersed amongst the nations. And many things will happen. There will be wars and there will be rumours of war and earthquakes and illness and all kinds of horrible and terrible things. But there will come a time when God will restore things, the restoration in order to prepare for the coming of Messiah And he says one of the things is the gospel of the kingdom will go to the four corners of the world. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the nations. And of course it was preached at the beginning. That was the Great Commission, wasn't it? To bring the gospel into the world. But there will be a further greater preaching of the gospel of the kingdom as an end time event. End of times is not the end of the world. It's not the end of everything. The end times is the end of this period leading to the coming of the next period of God's great plan the gospel of the kingdom will go the second thing that will happen is the fig tree will be restored the fig tree will come into life and when you see the leaves of the fig tree you know that the summer is coming the fig tree is a sign is a symbol of Israel there's no time to speak about that There are different symbols for Israel in the Old Testament. The fig tree is one of them. And it's about the national restoration of Israel. He says, that's the sign of the times. Look for it. Because then you will be ready to be like the wise virgins who are ready with their oil lamps filled and not falling asleep. So this restoration of Israel is about... The redemption, and where do we read that? In so many parts of the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36 is the great prophecy of God through Ezekiel to the mountains of Israel that will happen and has never happened in history until our day. And I want to read from you, uh, Ezekiel 36 with you before I move on. It's Ezekiel, you must read Ezekiel 36, 37, 38 to understand this incredible restoration and redemption of the ten tribes and the two tribes. And the reason God is doing it is to declare and to restore God's glory on earth. Okay, this is not just about Israel. This is about God's holy name being made holy on earth. And he will restore Israel and use the body of Christ to establish his kingdom on earth and his name will be glorified. That's his purpose. So if we read from Ezekiel 36, and we don't have time to read it, but he talks to the mountains of Israel. How many of you have been to Israel? Put your hands up. Have you been to the mountains of Israel? Where are they? They're in the heart of Israel, aren't they? What, what does the world call the mountains of Israel today? The West Bank, it's not a bank at all. I used to think the West Bank was like a bit of sand that ran along the river. It's not, it's the mountains of Israel. It's Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem. So so God speaks to the mountains of Israel through Ezekiel. He said, I will restore the people to the mountains and I will bring my people home and he speaks in many other prophecies through the Old Testament Of bringing his people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And the Jews are coming home today over the last hundred years from the north, from Russia, from the Ukraine, from Poland. They have been restored to the mountains of Israel, from the east, from China, from Australia, from New Zealand, from the west, from Europe. In great tragic circumstances, but he's bringing them home. And from the south, from Africa, many black Jews in Israel. They're Ethiopian Jews. He's bringing them from India, from Burma, and he's restoring the ten lost tribes of Israel. He says he will do it to... Why will he do it? In order to pour out his spirit upon them and cleanse them, that his name may be made holy... And as a witness among the nations. Verse 21 I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Verse 23, I will show the holiness of my great name which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. That is why God is restoring Israel, to be a witness and a sign of his holiness to the nations. And this nation understood a 100 years ago that that was important and opened the door in the Balfour Declaration for the restoration of Israel. And it's time that this nation again and all the nations understood what God is doing. And when our nations understand and stand with what God is doing, we too will be blessed. We will enter into our calling and destiny as nations. And our body, Chaska's body of Christ, is to preach and to witness this gospel of the kingdom into the nation. Not just the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of redemption and restoration of all things, as Paul calls it. So it's all about Jerusalem. And Jesus said, the temple will be destroyed. At the end of days, Israel will be restored to the mountains of Israel, the Jewish people. And in the meantime, Jerusalem will be trampled upon by the nations until the fullness of the nations has come in. Luke 21. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the nations. I'm going to spend a few minutes just talking with you about this trampling on Jerusalem. How long do I have, Clive? Yeah, good. We're going to to do 2,000 years of world history in 10 minutes. (laughs) So hold on to your seats, buckle your seatbelts, and off we go. So let's see if this thing works. So this is the Middle East today, right? And I'm going to do it through... It helps, I find, to look at the world through maps because you start to understand that it's about the world. You know, the world is not a bad thing. We sometimes think politics and worldly things are not spiritual. But yes, they're part of God's spiritual purpose and plan. So this is the, the world today, and this, in the yellow you have what is, we know as the Arab world. It's the Arab-speaking world uh, surrounding this tiny little thing here which is where all the action is and where the world says this is the cause of all problems in the world today. And if we solve this problem of conflict here we will solve all the problems of world peace interesting this is kind of the idea that people have we have to solve this conflict between Israel and the Palestinians because then there will be peace in the Middle East and if there's peace in the Middle East there'll be peace everywhere it's a kind of a strange way of thinking but in a way it's true actually because God says when I restore my kingdom in Jerusalem and the word of the Lord goes forth from Zion, from Jerusalem. There will be peace on earth. And the word of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem. And the nations will come to Jerusalem. But it's not the way that God's getting there is not the way that the world thinks we should get there. This is the heart of the problem is Jerusalem. And this is, this is a map of what we currently call Israel. And here on the other side of the Jordan River is the modern uh, state of Jordan, the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan. And this is Israel and this is what's called the West Bank and this is Jerusalem in the very heart of this conflict. And when you look at what's happening in this conflict, you see it's it's actually all about Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This is the Temple Mount, for those of you who have not been there or seen it, it's a well-known image, but the Temple Mount, where the second temple once stood, or where we think it stood, on Mount Moriah, in the heart of Jerusalem, there are now two mosques, and a third one and more underneath, inside that mountain. Allah is ruling over the Temple Mount today. Islam will not let go of Jerusalem to this very day. This is a picture of the second temple as it perhaps looked huge in its majesty. This is what is known as the Western Wall, the place where the Jewish people and others as Gentiles were very welcome there to participate with the Jewish people in welcoming uh, and and honouring God and what he is doing. And it's a very special place. It's not a place to worship, but it's a place to worship God. And the Jewish people honour their God, especially in that place. It's for them the closest they get to the Holy of Holies of where the the Temple Holy of Holies was. And uh, because above, at the top of the Temple Mount was where the Temple was. And these walls, these are not the walls of the Temple. They were built much, much later. These were Herod's walls. Nevertheless, it's very close to what we believe was where the Temple was. This is David's city. Uh, this is Temple Mount, and here we have David's city. So, when Gabriel says that Jesus will reign on the throne of David, of course, it's, he's talking about this area of the temple where God's glory will be restored. Um, sorry. And this is a map of Jerusalem today. And what we are seeing on the world stage today, and we all hear about the two-state solution, don't we? Read about in the papers. We must have a two-state solution. We must give the Palestinians a state so they can have a state next to Israel and you will have two states living next to each other very happily and we will all be happy and we will live together and there will be no more conflicts. That's the idea of the two-state solution. And it's the policy of your government, of my government in Holland and in Australia, is to create this Palestinian state. Now, I want to say one thing God loves the Palestinians, He loves the Arab people, and He loves the Palestinians. And they're suffering. Many of them are in refugee camps. We don't realize that. But for 70 years, we've kept them in refugee camps in the Middle East because. They've become a pawn in a kind of a chess play. They are the ones that are being used. Uh, And unfortunately, um, they they are the victims in a way of this whole problem. But there will come a day when their problem will be solved. And the world thinks it's going to be through creating a, a state. And I just want to show you what the consequences of that state would be because I believe that the creation of this state is in direct conflict with what God wants to do because it's dividing the land. And why is dividing the land a problem? First of all, because God said he will restore the land and the people to the land without division. Why? So first of all, he could reveal himself fully to the Jewish people. Secondly, so that all nations will be blessed, including the Palestinians and all the Arab peoples. But secondly, because God says, I will judge the nations that divide the land. He says it repeatedly. And the nations, he prophesies that the nations will come up against Jerusalem. Zechariah 12, Zechariah 14. Jerusalem will become a stumbling block for the nations. It will become a stone of contention. And the nations will come up against Jerusalem because they want to keep control of Jerusalem what Jesus called the trampling on of Jerusalem. And this conflict is all about the nations wanting to control Jerusalem, I think. This is not a conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. It's a conflict between the nations and God. And what these guys are doing in the United Nations is to speak into the nations about the importance of Jerusalem. And Israel is so important because it's showing people that instead of dividing this land, we must res- allow God to restore it, that there will be true blessing and true peace. So, long story short, uh, this is a, a, a map of what this is Jerusalem. Okay, so, and this is the this white line here is the line that will go through Jerusalem to divide the city. Okay, we, we hear in the media about East Jerusalem and West Jerusalem. West Jerusalem is for the, for the Jews, for Israel and Arab, East Jerusalem is for the Arabs. Sounds convenient and nice. The fact of the matter is, East Jerusalem is the very heart of Jewish Jerusalem. It's the old city, as I'm going to show you. Here we go in again. This is a map of the city and you'll see that the old part of the city, somewhere, there we go. Well, you can see it. The Mount of Olives and the old city is on the eastern side of this border, that will come so when jesus comes back where is he coming to the mount of olives to the east of the temple mounts and he the glory of the lord will come from the east back to his mountain so i believe this is this is a conflict about trying to divide prevent god from fulfilling his purposes and we don't understand that as nations because we've lost our understanding of the word of god This is the old city, and again, it shows you it's on the wrong side of this green line. It's on the eastern side, the old city where the Temple Mount is. This is to become part of an Islamic state of Palestine. That's the plan. So here I could go through the history of Jerusalem, but we don't have time. I'm just going to leave you with this thought um, that we are in the middle of a conflict, Politically, a hundred years ago, and I'm going to fast forward to a slide which shows you this. This is the history of Jerusalem in 2,000 years. Crusaders, uh, mamluks looks, they, they all conquered the land, including Jerusalem. Jerusalem was never the capital of anything, ever, except from the Jewish people. But in all those 2,000 years, Jerusalem was never the capital not even of an Arab or Islamic state. We had the Ottoman Empire for 400 years and a miracle happened in 1917 when Great Britain recognised the right of the Jewish people to reconstitute their homeland in Palestine. The Balfour Declaration led to the San Remo Resolution and the mandate for Palestine and Great Britain had the responsibility to enable the Jewish people to reconstitute their homeland in Palestine. Where was Palestine? This is Palestine. All of Israel and the West Bank and Jordan was called Palestine. And the Arabs got everything else in the Middle East. That's why we have the states of Syria and Iraq and Jordan and Lebanon and all these other countries, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. They were all created around the same time through this mandate system. But Britain had the role to look after the Jewish people coming home. And if you think of from the perspective of Ezekiel 36, what a responsibility that was on your nation to help the Jews come back and resettle the land. Not so that others could not live there, but to be amongst the others and to build up this Jewish nation that all people would be blessed. And unfortunately, history went the other way. And I'm sorry to say but Britain turned its back on the Jewish people and it's a tragic history of the mandate period and I think it's something that your nation, we all are part of it because we all turned our back on the Jewish people in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. So we all have a lot of repenting to do but this nation has a special responsibility because of this mandate. And I believe that what God is doing in this nation today has got something to do with this. And the restoration of Britain has got to do with restoring your relationship with the Jewish people. So we had the partition plan. You know, the idea we'll divide the land, we'll give part of it to the Arabs and part of the Jews. We'll have two states. It never happened because it was rejected by the Arabs. The Arabs said no, and they went to war with the Jewish people. And the state of Israel was created in 1948 in the midst of a conflict. And the very next day, 15th of May 1948, the nations surrounding Arab nations attacked this new Jewish state, which could barely defend itself. The United Nations was nowhere to be seen. They were definitely not defending the Jewish people, even though the UN had been created three years earlier. Israel survived until 1967, again fought another war and more than survived, it, was, it took a whole bunch of land which it never intended to do or expected to do and the conflict today is all about what happens to this land. Should Israel give it back to Jordan and Syria and Egypt, the ones that attack them or does it actually belong to Israel in some way? That's what the conflict is about. And part of what we're trying to do is to help people understand from an international law perspective, who does Jerusalem belong to? Who does the West Bank belong to? Well, legally speaking, you have to go back to the mandate to understand it was intended for the Jewish homeland to be part of the Jewish homeland and to bring this message into the nations. So I can't go through all the history, but to fast forward... This is the situation now. We have a very complicated situation because Israel and the Palestinians have agreements uh, between Israel and the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organisation, which is basically a terrorist organisation, a little bit milder than Hamas, but it's still about using violence to liberate Palestine. The goal of the PLO is to liberate Palestine of the Jews. Uh, It's all documented in a book we've just published... Well, Israel on Trial the, the, you read the Palestinian National Charter and the Hamas Charter and it's all about destroying the Jewish state. that's a very brief summary of it but that's the essence of it it's about, it's about opposing Zionism opposing the Jewish people and Europe unfortunately has entered into partnership with the Arab nations to make that happen this is a deep problem for Europe So, I can talk a lot about uh, what's going on in the UN and how that conflict takes place, but I want to leave you with this slide, which just I just want to leave with the idea that what Britain did 100 years ago in a place called San Remo in Italy after the First World War, a decision was made by the Allied powers, including Britain, France, Italy... United States and Japan. And one of the decisions they made was to give the Jews this right to restore their homeland. And it led to the state of Israel. And what we are seeing now in the UN, 100 years later, is exactly the opposite. And Britain is in the Security Council as a permanent member, doing the opposite of what it promised 100 years ago. This is problematic. It's problematic. Because it's standing in the way... And this is not about just defending the rights of the Jewish people. It's about standing in the way of what God's doing today. And I know it's a difficult message in a way politically to think that the Bible can have this political application, but it does. The reality of today, world history has a biblical perspective And we must see it in biblical, spiritual eyes. And I would encourage you to continue on your course as a community and as a church here to pray into this. To pray into your nation and how your nation, instead of trying to solve this problem through worldly means, will enter into God's redemptive purposes and be a blessing to the Jewish people and to be a blessing to your nation Amen. and to other nations. Yeah, Don't take my word for it. Study this material. And, and again, I, I, I would like to emphasize this when God restores and does it His way, the Palestinians and the Arabs will be blessed like never before. Yes, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the truth. Never before. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And there will be a highway from Assyria to Cairo, and it will, there will be an amazing things happening. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But God looks at things in a completely the opposite way that we do it. And we have to start to understand his spiritual mindset yeah. and the way of looking at things. It's a paradigm shift in our thinking. And I, I just want to encourage you and thank you for what you're doing as a church. You're an example, I believe. You've stepped into this mandate. And you've been doing it faithfully for a number of years and I believe God will use you powerfully even in your relationship now with the Jewish community in this nation. So thank you and bless you in every way. Thank you. Yeah, you just prayed. Yeah, that's right. You just yeah, fine, yeah, okay, yeah. okay let's, let's just pray... Uh, Father, sorry, it took so long, but um, Father, there's so many things which are actually too deep and too difficult for us. And will you forgive us, Lord, if um, yeah, if we're maybe not seeing the right things in the right way? But we do pray, Father, you will open our eyes and reveal, reveal more to us, Lord, yeah. that we might that we might be. Re- understand more of the mystery of the Gentiles being part of the commonwealth of Israel, Father, and to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Lord, not to preach at them, not to hit them over the head, but to provoke them to jealousy. That their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is fulfilling his word today. So, Father, may the eyes of the Jewish people be opened to your heart, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And will the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit work in us today, Lord, in this church, in this community, in this Bible school, Father, into this world around us and into this nation, Father, speak words to us, speak your prophetic word to us, confirm us, in understanding your words. And bless us, Lord, and bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.